As we get started here, I want to go ahead and invite you to open up whatever copy of the scriptures is most convenient for you, whether it's an app on your phone or it's an old school paper Bible like this one. And uh, why don't you go ahead and just open up to the book of First Peter. Also, if you're joining us in our online platform, there is a tab you can find labeled Bible in the chat function uh, in that window just right there on the right side. And you can feel free to use that as well as you join us in our study of the scriptures. By the way, if uh, we have never had the chance to meet, uh, my name is Phil, and I have the wonderful honor of being the pastor of a community of followers of Jesus who call themselves Clarity Church. And whether you are watching us because someone you, someone, uh, you know invited you, or maybe you just happened to stumble upon us as one of the many options for engaging a local church online, uh, I, I do want to say thank you for choosing to make this gathering a part of your day. And uh, by the way, if this is your first time with us, or maybe it's your first time in a while, uh, we began this series that we're in, that we're closing out actually today, The Heart Matters, about five weeks ago, in the spirit of what more liturgical churches would call Lent, or as uh, the regular folk would call it, uh, fish fry season. And if you're not all familiar with Lent, uh, Lent has traditionally been a season of repentance that started as a way to help awaken the heart of those who trust in Jesus as master and savior to the true joy of what, uh, of what Jesus accomplished, really, through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And so, for hundreds of years, Lent has been a time, uh, really, allowing God to remind us of our own mortality, revealing our motives, our idols, our priorities, and the way we struggle to love God and the way we struggle to love others. And, and this season has really opened the door of opportunity for both believers past and present to a truer and more authentic life of faith. And this is because the death of our self-righteousness and pride always leads to a humble heart filled with the overwhelming hope of Christ. And really, that is what uh, I, I want to talk about today. What it means to embrace hope and how to find a hope that is living and active in, in every circumstance in our everyday lives. And more on that in just a second. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Have you ever taken a, a long road trip? And, and uh, uh, you know, what, what is the most annoying thing about taking a long road trip with others? Probably one of the most annoying things is having, uh, uh, especially when you're taking a long road trip, is, is having someone who's always asking what? How much longer? How much longer? Or, and now, you don't have to be a parent to know this, but if you do have kids, uh, then you're probably all too familiar with this phrase, right? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No. 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 Are we there yet? You little. Truth be told, if you have ever had to wait for something, then you know this to be true. It can be hard to have patience. And this is true in the practical, everyday sense. And with everything that is going on in our world right now, the reality is clearer than ever. In fact, I don't know about you, but I've, I've said these things. I've said things like, I can't wait to grab a coffee with friends and like sit at a table with them. Or I can't wait until sports 
on TV is live again, or I can't wait to go shopping for toilet paper and it doesn't feel like I'm searching for the last golden ticket. Hey, you got it! You got the last golden ticket! <laughs> it's hard to find hope in the waiting, especially when in the waiting, things feel hopeless. And what is true in our everyday lives is also what is true and practical in our spiritual lives. In a collection of theological and philosophical work, uh, Blaise Pascal wrote this. He said this, What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace? This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are Though none can help since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. Whether you're someone who has been a long-time disciple of Jesus or whether you're someone who doesn't know whether you believe everything you've heard about Jesus in the Bible, at some point in our lives, all of us long for a hope that seems to escape us. That seems just just out of reach of our ability to patiently wait for it to arrive. And for those of us who've committed to increasingly submitting all our life to Jesus as Master and Savior, we believe that this longing in our hearts, this anxiousness for a resolve of the desire of contentment, purpose, and, and meaning, we believe this is found in God. And while the blessings of the reality of what we call the kingdom of God has been extended to us now in, in the promise of God's presence and his forgiveness, extended really to all who, who place their faith and trust in him now, the hope of the realities of the kingdom of God, the perfect joy and perfect peace where tears and sorrow will be no more, we know that this will not be fulfilled until... We are in heaven with God himself. And, and, and this kind of uh, here but not yet tension is a reality of, of every believer that really that exists for every believer. And it's in this tension, this, this reality, which requires our patience. It, it, it's, it's in this tension that sometimes we are kept from embracing a hope that's living and active in every circumstance of our everyday lives. And really, this is nothing new. In fact, I want to take us to something that a man by the name of Peter wrote that I think helps give insight and instruction on how every follower of Jesus can embrace hope in a way that is living and active in every circumstance of their everyday life. Now, before we look at what he wrote, you should, you should know this about Peter, if you, you didn't know this already. But uh, Peter... Peter was one of the first disciples that Jesus called to follow him. And, and according to the four Gospels, uh, Peter was actually the leader of the early disciples. And he was one of the main leaders of the early church. And so if you're wondering if the advice that Peter gives uh, represents, it, does it represent what Jesus taught? Listen, his reputation goes before him and it proves that what we're about to read is what I believe Jesus would want to say to anyone who is struggling to embrace hope. So it's no surprise that uh, 
when the early church began facing hardships, mostly because of their faith in Jesus, you know, people looked to Peter as a source of encouragement and direction. They believed in the promises of God, but their current circumstances was making it hard to find hope that their hearts were longing for. A hope that would carry them through the reality of what seemed like never-ending hardships and trials. And it's this context from which we get this letter from Peter that we now call the book of 1 Peter. So here's what he writes. Let's just take a look at this. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Got something in my eye here. Uh, Says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, right in the beginning of the letter, Peter tries to implant this truth into the ears of his listeners. That hope begins where the old you ends. Hope begins where the old you ends. This is uh, really what he was trying to say as he writes, uh, you know, God has given you a new birth into a living hope. This is what he was trying to communicate. And and really, Peter wasn't the only leader in the early church that preached this message. The the Apostle Paul, in fact, communicated the same message in, in a different way when he wrote a letter to the Christians in and around the city called Corinth, and he said this in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. So, Peter was communicating, but Paul was communicating, who were both taught by Jesus, that hope begins when the old you ends. Hope begins where the old you ends. Of course, Peter and Paul didn't have to make up this on their own. They were restating a truth that Jesus taught. In the Gospel of Mark, it records Jesus teaching this. It says this in Mark 8, 34 to 36. Calling the crowds along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the Gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world, yet lose his life? When giving up your life for a new life in in God, uh, when, when you do that, you begin the journey of embracing hope. Because, as we said, hope begins where the old you ends. The second thing that Paul says about this living hope uh, we should all embrace is, is, is this, that, that hope today is found in the promises of tomorrow. Here's how he says it in verse 4. He says this, And into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So, here Peter is saying, Hope for today is found in the promise of tomorrow. Paul understood that those who have found a hope in God that is living and active in their everyday lives, uh, they, they understand this, that hope today is found in the promises of tomorrow. 
And there's a potential inside of all of us to measure our hope based on our current realities. But here's what we all know. That all things will eventually perish. perish. All things are, are, are prone to fall. And, and so to this reality, Peter points out the only thing that is, as he said, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you and, and is literally being guarded by God's power. <laughs> and what is that? Well, it's the fulfillment of what it means to be a child of God, an inheritance and a salvation. In fact, Jesus said it best when he said this, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Peter was there when Jesus said this, which is probably why Peter wrote this in the next verse, 6 and 7 of 1 Peter chapter 1, when he says this, You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus understood that in times of trouble, we would have a hard time finding hope. And so he wanted his disciples to know that hope today is found in the promises of tomorrow. And, 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 and he tells them, and how he gives them this is he said, hey, look, here is what I promise for tomorrow. Where I am, you will be also one day. And really, this makes sense because you don't have to be someone who, who considers yourself a Christian to know that it is very hard to have hope today when you believe that there are no promises for tomorrow. In fact, uh, a famous uh, biologist and outspoken atheist wrote in, in a book he published, he wrote this, the total amount of suffering per year in the natural world is beyond all decent contemplation. During the minute it takes me to compose this sentence, thousands of animals are being eaten alive. Many others are running for their lives, whimpering with fear. Others are slowly being devoured from within by rasping parasites. Thousands of all kinds are dying of starvation, thirst, and disease. It must be so. If there ever is a time of plenty, this very fact will automatically lead to an increase in the population until the natural state of starvation and misery is restored. In a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. It is very hard to have a hope for today when you believe that there is no promise for tomorrow, or at the minimum, the promises for tomorrow is nothing but pitiless indifference. My guess is that if you're taking time out of your day to be part of a gathering like this one with others who are looking to find hope in hearing and being transformed by the gospel, that you have not given up yet on the idea that you can find a hope to embrace. And based on what Peter wrote about and what he lived for and what he eventually was murdered for, Hope today is found 
and the promises of tomorrow. See, Peter believed that grief and various trials is not the evidence of the absence of hope, but it is actually proof of the presence of God's active work inside his life to build his faith to make him, as he wrote, more valuable than gold. And really, this is good news if you're suffering in grief of various trials. And, you, and, and this is good news because you need to know that those trials do not have to be the verdict of hopelessness in your life. But it can be, and is for the believer, the proof of the presence of God in your life and, 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 and his will to, to actively work in your life to build your faith and make you, as Peter said, more valuable than gold. So the question is this, how do you know when you've found that hope? How do you know? How do you know when what you're telling yourself you believe in has moved beyond wishful thinking into a living hope? Well, here's how you know it. So what Peter says in verses 8 to 9, he says this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know that your hope is found in Christ. And it's very simple. When you're found loving Jesus more and trusting Jesus more, you know that you are embracing hope that is found in Christ when you are loving Jesus more and when you are trusting in Jesus more. Now, in our typical gathering setting, uh, I get the opportunity to see faces and make personal connections with people as they speak, which honestly, I, I enjoy way more than what we're doing right now. Uh, but considering our current circumstances, uh, this virtual gathering, here, here's what is highly probable. There is a there is a high chance that there may be someone online right now watching this and you have never made a decision to follow Jesus. You have never made a commitment to give your life to Jesus, to experience what it means to have hope begins when the old you ends. And if that's you today, I want to let you know that you can make that decision to follow Jesus. You can make that decision to begin the journey of learning what it means to increasingly submit all of life to Jesus as master and savior. In fact, you can make a commitment today to give your life to Jesus and you can begin to follow Jesus. In fact, if that's something that you want to do, I want to encourage you to respond to the invitation in the comment section here on this platform to let us know that you're making a decision to follow Christ. And, and if you're comfortable, I, I want to encourage you to ask someone to, to pray with you. Click on that button. And, and someone, either I or someone from our leadership, would, would love to really connect with you and give you next steps in what it means to following Jesus. That would be our honor. That would be our joy. Because remember, our Hope for today is found in the promises tomorrow. And the, and the promises of tomorrow are found when the new you begins at the, and the old you ends. Now, maybe you're someone who considers yourself a Christian, but 
your active belief and love for Jesus has taken second place to distractions and, and idols that you may have given your attention to. And listen, there's good, for you. There's, good, there's good news for you as well. You can find your living hope by also committing to die to yourself and, and live in the new identity that has been given to you by God through the death and resurrection of his one and only son, Jesus. My prayer for all of us as we close, really, in this next song, all of those who are longing in their hearts and souls for a contentment and a peace that is not of this world, my prayer is that we would take this time and, and we would all be reminded of all that God has done and has promised to do in and through the lives of all who would confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And that today would be the day that all of us would embrace hope.